It is Keith here. I'm coming to you live from the lab, live in the lab from Joe Beal. Just found them on, not a sponsor. Nope, not a sponsor. From Daddy's Visa. Yeah. Coming here noon, round two today. Nicole Bernard is back. Let's bring her in. There she is. There's Nicole. Oh, what's going on? It's really pretty weather here in Oregon right now, so pretty excited about that. But yeah, week's been great. Excited to chat again. Oregon, that's right. Where are you in Oregon again? I'm in Hood River, so like an hour east of Portland, right on the Washington-Oregon border. Yeah. Oh, okay. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not good all the time. We don't, but everybody else does. People, do you ski? I've been a few times, but I think just coming from the South, I just haven't really latched onto it, but I want to try this year. I say that every year, but I'm really going to try it this year. Yeah. I've made attempts twice in my life (laughs) and uh, both attempts have not fared very well for Oh, Keith over here. So do I ski? Well, I attempt to ski, but I don't <laughs> ski. I really think I just kind of want to hang out in the lodge while everybody else skis and like look at the snow. I just want to be there. <laughs> yes. Yes. So my daughter and I were up on the mountain uh, in Whistler a couple of years ago, and we made our way down the mountain, not on our skis, because we both had a moment on the mountain where it was not kind of the best moment. And we we're like, eh, time to go back to the lodge and go find Nicole. Right. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Uh, so Keith and Nicole had no agenda today. I invited her back to do round two conversation, just kind of see how things are going. I kind of thought we can talk about some business, some athletics and performance uh, adventure. Tell you about something we're working on. Get your opinion on it. Do you use Artifact? No. I don't even know what it is. So I think it's going to be the next big app. Okay, cool. As a marketer, actually, yes. As a marketer, I could not encourage you enough to embrace Artifact. And I'll tell you why. So you're a smart business person. If you're going to invest in a company, you're probably investing in the people who are running the company. Totally. Artifact was created by two guys who you probably know and you probably used their product. They did pretty well with it. Little mm-hmm. company called Instagram. Oh, yeah, little guy. Yeah, yeah. So Kevin's sister, Mike Krieger, created Artifact. I've been a member now for about six months. I'll tell you their trajectory. I'll tell you the story. I've, I've been watching it in real time. It's been fascinating to me. Yeah. But as an investor, you're thinking, okay, I'm going to invest in a company. Well, you look at the guys running this who probably know a little bit about social media and maybe running Instagram and maybe had some experience working with Zuckerberg at Meta, right? Just a little bit, just a little bit, right? So I found it interesting that they introduced this product to the market about six months ago, I think it was, called Artifact. And at first, Nicole, was just a news feed of interest. So just news, right? So, you know, introducing news, got users kind of engaged in reading the news, commenting on the news. And while doing that, it was all, all driven by your by AI interests. There's nothing new about that, but they're using AI to mm-hmm. aggregate news based on your interests. And as you would comment and as you would read stuff, it's building like a profile on you saying you're not a troll, right? You're getting a reputation nice. score. You're getting a reputation on how many times you log in. So kind of a little Reddit gamification out of yeah. it, right? So they introduced news, then it gets better. Then they introduced mm-hmm. commenting on news, which we do anyways, they kept it in the feed, mm-hmm. right? As Twitter was falling apart, and as Threads was coming, these guys kind of go, oh, hey, here's this artifact. But we're not a social media platform. Not a social media platform at all. They introduced news. Then a few weeks ago, they introduced this idea of adding links. So take any link you want on the internet and go put it into artifact. And then they introduced link plus comment. Then they introduced post anything. Yesterday, they just introduced AI generated imagery. When you look at my home screen of artifact, I'm going to show you this. It looks reminiscent very much like Instagram. It does, yeah. 
So if you're an early birder marketer, I would encourage you just to start, you know, and there's a gap in the news market right now, you, you know, because Facebook doesn't want to play there. Meta's like, we don't want to touch news. Yeah. Right. So I thought we'd introduce a segment. We can talk about the news. We can talk about what's going on uh, in, in the news and, and what's uh, exciting out there in the world. Get your opinion on a few things and, and maybe we can dangle around those topics. But I want to talk adventure first. Can we talk about adventure? Sure. Before we do that, though, have you done 48 miles in 48 hours lately? I have not, but I ran my ninth half marathon of 2023 on Friday. So a few days ago, or almost a week ago. So, but no, I've not done another 48 hours yet. I need to, I need to do another one before the end of the year. So how did you fare in the marathon? Pretty good. Um, It was one of my faster times. I didn't actually do a registered race because there wasn't any around me. Usually we have a local one. So I just did it around my town, but the, usually if I do them on my own, I'm quite a bit slower because you know, there's a whole different Yes. When you're yeah competing against other people, but I was happy with it, um, and it went, it went well. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. I know a fellow who yeah. does, uh, his goal this year was to run 50 half marathons. Sweet. Oh, that's awesome. Essentially one a week. Yeah, that's a lot. Dang, now I feel like I need to up my goals. There was this one girl that I follow on Instagram. She did, it was like her goal was to do 100 days straight, but she ended up doing like 200 ultra marathons, 200 of them straight, 200 days of ultra marathons. What do you think it does to the body? So what's your opinion on that? Do you think that's a good thing, bad thing? Is that crazy? Props to the person? What's your your thought? Yeah, I mean, I think everybody's different. So how your body handles it, you know, is going to change for who's doing it. But in the beginning, she actually had a few kind of like knee and like IT band issues. And she just kind of, well, she obviously would stretch and things like that. She just kind of kept running through it. And it kind of went away. And I mean, by the end, like, I think she probably could have kept going, but I think just mentally and getting back to work and all of these things, she just stopped. But I don't know, she seemed to handle it pretty well, but it, that would take a toll on your body. I would have to think. After reading Goggins, I had a whole different, and we talked about Goggins before, I, held mm-hmm. it, I had a whole different perspective on people that push themselves to extremes. And, and I said to myself, who am I to judge? Like good, like to your point, like good for you. Right. And, and to your point, it probably does take a toll on her body, but I'm like, I have no judgment on that. Good for you that to want to attempt to do, is it a hundred and a hundred? Yeah, she did. She wanted to get to a hundred and then she ended up keep like, she kept going and I think she hit 200 total and she's in the Guinness world record book. So I think she shattered that at a hundred and she just kept going. So yeah, but it made me, when you just said Goggins, it made me think of one of the stories he shared in his book. Like, do you, I don't know if you remember, I, here. It was definitely number two. I uh, never finished, but he was going through, it might've been one of the hell weeks or something. And yes. like his, it was like his tendons or something, or maybe his Achilles like was I remember. shot. Yeah. He just bandaged it together and yes. like mentally was like, okay, we're not. And it healed itself as crazy as that sounds. So, I mean, who knows? The, the human body. body and- it's an incredible machine, isn't it? Sorry to cut you off. The human body is an incredible. It's it back to my mom, like my mom is 76 and you know, she's not 46, she's not 56 and, and she's an active woman. I think I was telling you last time we went tobogganing with her 75, what a year and a half ago. And mm-hmm. while she's not falling apart, she's kind of falling apart because that's what happens when you age. But the, the, the power of the human body is incredible to me is, is what you can push it through. And when you see what the Navy SEALs do, obviously what, you know, reading through Goggins or any other book you read to, to have somebody think about themselves, Hey, I want to go do a hundred and a hundred. Good for you. Like, I think there's, there, there's, there's certainly props to that. Certainly props to that. So we have a big adventure plan for next year that I want to share with you. Maybe you know some people that might want to join us. So Nicole, we're looking for mm-hmm. 10 people that want to transform their lives, joining the lab in a transformative experience. So starting mm-hmm. January 1st till December 31st, 365 days of wellness, fitness, 
nutritional and emotional coaching, not just to get a six pack, not just to, you know, get stronger, but to build a sustainable, you know, new new life. It's exactly it. Thank Mm -hmm. you. Yeah. You're probably going to get a six pack along the way or lose some weight along the way. You're probably going to get some muscle tone along the way. You're probably going to get a better heart rate along the way. You're probably going to be overall more emotionally, mentally, and healthier along the way. I suspect so, sarcastically. So we're, we're going to start that program beginning of January. End of January, we're going to meet in person in Panama to climb Volcan Baru, the only place in the world where you can see the Atlantic Ocean and the Pacific Ocean at the same time. Okay. So, and I've done this before. So we're going to head down to uh, Boca Chica, uh, Panama, as a retreat, mm-hmm. an active retreat, networking retreat, bringing these 10 people from, we're largely targeting North America, that want to transform mm-hmm. their life, not just through a 30-day coaching program or a 60-day coaching program. Maybe, Nicole, somebody who's going through, I don't know, I think I shared with you, like I've been through some personal situations, like I've been through a divorce, I've sold my business, I you know, went in different directions when the business and I went in different directions. So I've, so I've been through these situations where you're looking to make change or you're feeling stuck, right? So we're targeting 10 people that are like, hey, you know what? Or, or you're, you're maybe looking to achieve the next career adv- achievement in your life and you're looking for some structure to help you get there. So we're saying join this team of 10 along with myself and Roland and, and, and Craig and AJ and, and Ray who are going to help coach you as well as other coaches we have aboard. Oliver Brown who climbed Kilimanjaro just last yeah. week for the 900th time this year, I think it was. So we're going to do Panama retreat and then we're all going to go back to work for the rest of the quarter. Second quarter of the year, we're going to head to the Azores, Nicole. You know where the Azores are? Okay. No. That's okay. Because they sound exotic. <laughs> yes. I didn't know where they were either until I found them. Mm-hmm. Exactly. They're, they're a series of nine islands in the middle of the Atlantic yeah. Ocean. Cool. I, yeah. I have no, I didn't even know there were like islands in the Atlantic Ocean. I mean, in the middle. Yes. So, yeah. No, no, but you're right. To the west of Portugal, direct flight okay. from Boston, direct flight from uh, Toronto. And you have these islands and then popping out from one of the islands, the island of Pico is Mount Pico. It's 2,531 meters. So we're going to climb Mount Pico. So while Panama is a day trip, six hours up and six hours down, same day, Pico, Nicole, is an overnight trip where you're going to have to lug stuff up the mountain. We're going to sleep in the crater and then we're going to climb. Yeah. And then because there's no light pollution, you can only imagine what you see above you. Stars for miles, right? And Elon Musk's Starlink satellite system. (laughs) That's exactly right. So then we'll get up around... 4.30, 5 a.m., and we'll climb out of the crater, leave our stuff down there, and climb to the top of the mountain and look Mm -hmm. out over the Atlantic. You can see for miles. You can see many of the islands. It's just this experience that, unless you've experienced it, it's really difficult to describe. But the year gets better. So we're in June. We're in the Azores. So the one-night camping experience, Nicole, is the warm-up for what's going to happen at the end of September, early October. We're going to head to Africa, to Tanzania. And we're going to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. So while we are helping somebody with their nutrition and their fitness and their wellness and their emotional health through the other support, business mm-hmm. coaching, we're then going to tack on 10 days in Tanzania and climb Kilimanjaro. And we will succeed. Guarantee we mm-hmm. will succeed. But we're awesome. not. Is Oliver going with y'all? Uh, Oliver is going to join us. Yes. Awesome. Yes, okay. yes, yes. We talked with Oliver yesterday. Uh, Oliver's part of a trip, so Oliver might not be able to make all four of them. He's welcoming a little Aww. baby into the world next year, uh, which is mm-hmm. really exciting. That's obviously more important than anything. So, hope I didn't spill any beans there. Ah, uh, what the heck? So you can edit it, but you can't. After Kilimanjaro, we are then going to make our way at the end of the year to Kenya. 
And in Kenya, we're going to do a couple safaris, daytime safaris, nighttime safaris, and then end the experience on the beaches of Shela Beach on Lamu Island in Kenya. And that will that be like New Year's Day? Like y'all will be our New Year's Eve in Africa? No, uh, the plan is to do it end of November, early December. The last okay. week, November, first week, cool. December will end the year. So we're going to stay connected, not only through this way with our, with, with our teammates, uh, but we're also going to introduce the Quest headset so we can have presence and connect with people in virtual reality and augmented reality. So you could actually be in my room right now. And then we're going to, the plan is to introduce the Peloton platform as the fitness platform for the experience. So it's connected. We can stay, we can, we can build community with it. So that's this entire experience. We're out there talking about it right now. So if you know anybody that might want to think about that, we'd love yeah. to have them on the team. What are your thoughts of the experience? It sounds amazing. And I love that, you know, like you said, it's it's a, a holistic approach. It's not just one, you know, focus on one of them. You're doing all of the different ones. And then I love that you're, you know, getting people to travel to different places because I think that adds a whole other element of, you know, kind of looking inside, but then also being able to like see the beauty that surrounds you. I also love too that you're going up mountains because I think that's almost like a, figurative and literal thing that you're facing. And so I just love that you guys are doing all of that. I'm glad you said that about the mountains because I've joked about this with Roland and with some colleagues over the last few days. I've never known anybody who's regretted climbing a mountain, right? That's right. And I've never, and then to that point, I've never known anybody who's re who's looked back after climbing the mountain and said, well, I guess I should go back to the other side now. It's typically not what you do, right? So physically, right. it's this idea that we're what we're selling here is helping you move your life forward. And the physical metaphors of climbing a mountain to the bottom of it, where you can physically see what you have achieved, that up and down, yes. right? Something magical mm-hmm. to that, I think, right? So yeah, I think, yeah, I totally agree. And these aren't, we're not talking about mountaineering. We're not going to Everest or K2, right? Right. Have you climbed Kilimanjaro? Do you know anybody who's climbed Kilimanjaro? No, the closest I've gotten is like 9,000 feet up Mount Hood, which was really high for me. That's good. Did you trek that or do you climb that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was part of one of my races this year. I didn't realize it was going that high up the mountain or I probably would not have registered, but yeah, the universe (laughs) works in funny ways. So, So. uh, but yeah, it was a heck of an experience. Like, yeah, like you said, when you get back down, even if you're scared of heights or whatever, you're like, wow, I just did that. Like, what else can I do? You know? Absolutely. So just so I'm clear, you ran up the mountain and you didn't know when you signed up that you were running up the mountain. Yeah. My husband was like, don't you ever want to look at like the courses? I'm like, well, I guess I probably should, but I usually just sign up for them and go. And this one, they called it a hill run. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, it's, and I had done the half marathon last year, but they completely switched the course this year and I didn't look. So in my mind, I assumed I knew the, the course, but it was completely different. Yeah. So you get, so take me to that morning. You Yeah. So we, so it's up at Mount Hood Meadows, which is where it starts. So it was like, starts at 6,000 ish feet, I think. And you know, the race directors bring us out there. I was like, Oh yeah, this is fun. Did this last year. And we, he points like towards the mountain was like, you see that craggy area? That's where you guys are going. And I was like, okay, that's not so bad, but it was well above that. I looked at the wrong area. And so just, you know, you kind of take off, you're going up a mountain there's drop-offs. I went to turn, I turned back three different times and went back just a few steps. But then I was like, you know, if you turn around and don't actually get to the, you know, to the turnaround point that they have, like for the race, then you're going to be really disappointed in yourself. And so I just, I don't know, kept going, even though it was like kind of shaky and really 
anxious and nervous, but it was an, an amazing experience. Just the power of moving forward, wasn't it? You just said to yourself, exactly. I just, I'm just going to go put one feet in front of the yep. other. I'm not going to get my PB. I'm not going to have any records, but I just need to get this thing done. Exactly. Yeah. And I, like, I can't remember what audiobook I was listening to at the time, but I switched it and I put on David Goggins. Oh, yeah. I was like, okay, if anybody's going to get me through this. That's spectacular. Do you use audiobooks when you run, Nicole, instead of music? I do. I used to listen to music. Now I listen to audiobooks, like two birds, one stone, you know? So, yeah. What kind of audiobooks do you listen to? All kinds. Really. I mean, they're all typically business or, you know, self-development. Like, I love anything, really. I've got, like, Jocko Willink, uh, David Goggins, yeah. Embrace the Suck by another military. I have a lot of, like, military ones, and yeah. then I have, like, In Tune with the Infinite and, like, all of Napoleon Hills. So it's, like, this kind of spiritual side and then also this like disciplined military depending on what my mood is i needed discipline today my alarm <laughs> went off this morning dogs came to get me and daddy looked at them and he's like oh my god i don't want to get out of bed this morning i was tired and mm-hmm. i said to roland today i said roland producer roland rest recovery day today man you got you we've been working hard we've been building things here and wednesday's my rest recovery day but clearly I didn't work very, I didn't rest and recovery enough yesterday. So got to the gym this morning after I dragged my butt in and did my lift and got on my bike and it sucked. It sucked, but I did it. It really sucks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It was not the best experience, but it was just a mental, because I, we, I would not be an enjoyable human being right now if I didn't go through that experience this morning. Cause it's just, you know what I mean? Probably like yourself. Yep. Totally. Yeah. There's definitely a, a difference in how the rest of the day goes depending on the morning activities you know and the run and and i made some bad decisions last night too yeah peanut butter jar right in front do you of me. talk about those i do I, I said to roland this morning i sent that text to him i said producer roland oh man i made some bad decisions last night i hit the peanut butter jar and he laughs and he's like oh i hit the shawarma <laughs> i'm like oh okay so we're both on the same we're both on the same fence today but yeah, I've openly said here that peanut butter and me are like, uh, or peanut butter and jam sandwich, or just a jar of peanut butter and a spoon. It's death for me. Does it not agree with you, or it's like? No, I love it. Oh, yeah, you ask AMA, ask me. Yeah, it. I just I can't put it down. So then when I put it down, I'm I just feel horrible about myself mentally, and then I get up the next day and I feel horrible physically, right? So it's just one of yeah. those experiences. So you talk about being real. My battle with the peanut butter jar. So you talk about that experience next year. I might. So we all have these battles. I can sit here and go raw as much as we want to, but I, I experience mm-hmm. the same challenges that everybody else does. Like the goal here is totally. let's just try to do it together, right? So that I can limit yeah. the peanut butter consumption. So my favorite little treat is like a spoonful of peanut butter. And then I put some like chocolate chips on it. Like just little ones that we always have in the cupboard that my daughter always makes cookies with. So just a little bit of peanut butter and chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I knew, I knew when I met you that we were going to vibe on something. I didn't realize it was going to be the peanut butter. So I have the same challenge. I have the same dilemma as you do with that, except I don't stop at just a little spoon with chocolate chips. I will. So I'll just grab a handful of chocolate chips and I'll just stuff in my mouth or I'll, or I'll, or what I'll do is I'll, I'll put like a bowl of chocolate chips and then I'll put a spoonful of like peanut butter or two on top of it, just like an ice cream and then make like an ice yes. cream sundae of peanut butter and just chocolate chips. Yep. I hear you. Cookie dough is also my weakness too. I don't even want the cookies. I just want the cookie dough. Yes. Oats or no oats? I can go either way, but probably no oats is what I would lean towards. I'm oats, I'm chocolate chips, and I'm raisins. See, I like oats and raisins together, and then chocolate chips in itself together. Interesting, interesting, yeah. So that's good fuel for me when I'm training, though. Like, I I can't take that away from me. No, can't take that away from me. Yeah. Yeah. 
Totally. Um, a cookbook last year, it's called Run Fast, Eat Slow, and she's got some really good like oatmeal cookie kind of power energy bar recipes in there. All of her recipes are awesome, but yeah. So should- I guess I have one other confession too that I just thought about that I can make to you too is my love for cheese. Do you like cheese? I cheese. Yeah. I love cheese. I'm a cheese freak. I my, my ambition is to always have more cheese on my crust instead of the, the, the bread crust, right? So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, so that's always just a good thing for me. But, it, but let's just get off the food topic. Hey, did you know? No, now I'm hungry. Now I like, really can't wait for my scoop of peanut butter. Did you know Steve Jobs died 12 years ago today? Has it been that long? Wow. Right? It does go by fast. Yeah. I remember the day. Well, I'm sure many people, or those that would even be listening to this, would remember that day that he, when he passed. Yeah. It was sad to me as, as we were watching him going through his illness as he was working. As, as he was working up to that moment of passing, I, I didn't, uh, that was, uh, that was sad because you knew it was coming and, and brilliant mind, right? And well, missed a beat, do you think, since, since Mr. Jobs passing? I mean, I feel like they've had some hiccups here and there, but I feel like overall they're still, you know, killing it. Who was telling me that their new phone, there's been some issues with their new, like their latest phone release. Have you heard that? Yeah, I guess. It's- I don't know they are, but I had just heard but- that that's not going so well. Yes. A little bit buggy apparently, right? So, um, yeah. Have you also heard, I was talking about this with Captain Steve Hoffman last week. Uh, Joni Ive uh, is developing a device with uh, ChatGPT founder Sam Altman. So we'll make an open AI device. So imagine being that dude who's single-handedly created perhaps two of the greatest devices mankind would use. Like, let's yeah. imagine if you created the iPhone, like you're the person who designed the iPhone. Yeah, I can't even imagine that. That's how attached we are to these things too. Like... I mean, I know I am. I don't even use, I don't even speak on it, but I do so many other things on it. Like I don't actually, it's a phone, but I hardly ever talk. You know, it's just so crazy know. how integrated like they are with our lives. Yeah. I, I do know. I, I never use my phone to phone. As a matter of fact, isn't phoning a nuisance today, Nicole? Yeah. I'm like, just send me a text or an audio message. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or text me first to say, hey, are you free? Or do you got a few minutes to chat? Yeah. Because really when you're phoning somebody, you're actually stealing their time. Because you're saying it's good for me right now. I'm assuming right. that it's good for you. So I'm just going to take, I'm just going to phone you. Because then there's that psychological idea of, okay, i got to answer the phone because Keith's phoning. i got to answer mm-hmm. the phone, right? So I think that it's adi- social etiquette has changed where just text me first. And if we need to talk, then let's talk. Right. Yeah. Like, do we actually need to talk? Yeah. But I mean, do you remember the days though? Like when our house phone would ring and it was like, yeah, no idea it was all the other line. Like, hello? I do. And then caller ID. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. Yeah, it's like the Wild West back then. Fun. <laughs> I grew up with the party line. Did you have? Did your parents have the party line? Did you? Did you know what the party line nope. was? No, I think that was a little bit after my time, but I know about it. But I didn't have one. Yeah, so I'm dating myself now. But I do remember the party line. It was two rings for my auntie Anne's and one ring for my mom and dad's house. And if you answered on the two rings, you'd hear the conversation at Auntie Anne's house. What? So funny. Here's my banking information. What? Yeah, the, the dual ring party line that's 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 a funny conversation what are are your thoughts on where we are heading with computing spatial computing headsets apple vision pro what's your thoughts on that i'm not exactly sure what the apple vision pro is so can you share that i can absolutely (laughs) yes so apple released their headset beginning of this year i'm sure they didn't release it they introduced it to the market Mm -hmm. it's a spatial computing device looks like a set of ski goggles very similar to Zuckerberg's Meta headset. You've seen the you've seen the Meta headsets, right, from Facebook. Yeah. Uh, so this yeah. will be Apple's version of it. And how old, how old were your children again, Nicole? Thirteen and ten. Perfect. I'm going to assume they don't watch TV like you and I grew up watching TV. 
watch they their, don't. They watch their phones, right? They don't have phones. Okay. They're not happy about that, but they don't have them. But yes, they are, you know, Nintendo Switch, which they can yes. get on the YouTube. Right. Yeah. We would agree, though, that when they do get phones, and I can respect that, but when they do get phones, they're more than likely, like their peers, going to watch television, be it YouTube or TikTok, on their devices. Yes. They do. Yeah. Like when their little friends come over and there's a phone, they're all like crowded around it. And yeah, they watch the YouTube shorts and then, you know, that whatever they like on that, then they'll go to that channel. So, yeah. I bring this up because I'm going to share. So for the first time ever, linear television is on a decline because the idea of us sitting around watching television, you have to look no further as a marketer than the golden bachelor on ABC, right? No, I'm being serious Mm -hmm. actually. So the only people watching linear television is golden bachelor audience, right? 45 to 60, right? You're seeing Mm -hmm. the change in home design, rarely building homes around the great room with the TV in the middle. Yep. Because that's not how people are living in future homes. So I'm sharing this Mm -hmm. with you because we went from linear television to my kids growing up watching TV on YouTube and now TikTok, but not coming into the great room and watching TV with dad. When I'm like, hey, do you want to watch a hockey game with me? They look at me like on on the TV, really? And that thing, that thing is. Right? (laughs) So I share that with you because uh, you just said that all the kids cram around the little screen. So mm-hmm. the future of computing will be spatial computing where we strap the screen to our head, like a set of glasses. Yeah. And so, because this becomes a, like there's a, there's a barrier here when I have this in front of you, right? So when I can put a pair of glasses on or goggles on and be, be collaborative with you, we can be in the same space as you. You can mm-hmm. see where that whole experience goes to, right? Yeah, so that's yeah. that's coming fast. That's going to be released in uh, January of next year. They're not cheap. Or they're about thirty five hundred bucks or a pair. Yeah, wow. yeah, it is a lot of money. But, you know, remember like when flat screens came out and they were like thousands of dollars, and now they're like a few hundred. So I wonder if it's just going to kind of you know again people getting used to it more popular yes. and the price yes. will come. Off. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's their plan. Uh, and it's funny you said that because that's how they sold it too. They said, well, if you were to buy a big screen TV and a big home audio system, it's going to cost you $5,000 anyway. So now you can have a big screen TV strapped to your face and so forth. Uh, do you wear an Apple watch? Mine's just charging right now. Do you wear an Apple watch? No. So the new Apple watch has double tap, which allows you to control the watch without touching it. So I share that with you because the Vision Pro headset will be controlled by your eyes looking at the screen because it can see your eyes. Mm-hmm. So when you're looking around, know where you're looking. And the way that you'll interact with the interface will be doing this with your fingers. So will everybody like, so for instance, if a family, you know, if like the TV is kind of going away, would everybody have to have their own headset to like watch something together? Or how does that work now? You are right. Yes, you are absolutely right. But over time, we're all, they're not going to be $3,500 headsets, right? So right. There, there's, a, there's some technical limitations right now with these headsets. So, you know, b- batteries, right? We, we know the reality with technology is the, ba- is the battery, is the, the power behind them, right? So mm-hmm. we all want all-day battery life. So right now the headset that Apple's launching has a, head, has a little battery pack you plug into. It. It's only got two hours of battery life. So mm-hmm. their ambition is to turn that into uh, basically a set of glasses that you wear. Right, a light, a lightweight set of glasses that you wear in your head with the screens, and and the technology is move is obviously on its way there, but just not fully baked there for from, mm-hmm. from the Apple point of view. But yeah, you're right. You know, I, I I would say eventually we all will be wearing a pair of glasses of some sort, screens some sort mm-hmm. that would replace or replace this. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Although it comes, oh, no, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, tell me. Oh, no, I was just going to say, it makes me think of, like, as a kid watching, like, the Jetsons, you know, like, that's what I feel like we're, like, on the cusp of all of these things, and it's just, I know we're so close, it's just still, it's just so crazy, it's so cool how far, you know, everything has evolved to come to where we are now. 
and going fast too, when you think about it. Yes. Yeah. Right. With, uh, with AI being introduced to the marketplace in the last, I read a fascinating piece yesterday, Nicole, where majority of people question the benefits of AI, if it's going to destroy us. They're like, they're like, why are we rushing to make these tools if they're all they're going to do is hurt humanity? It's actually a fair point, <laughs> right? Okay, so I just brought on a new client. They're amazing. They're an AI medical scribe. Okay. But so because, you know, I do, I hear that same messaging like, oh, it's, you know, it's, we're going to disconnect like the human aspect and, you know, all of these things are, you yes. know, it's going to rule the world, blah, blah, blah. And, and in working with this new client, I'm seeing how AI is saving these doctors and clinicians so much time so that they are actually putting in more human connection with their patients. Interesting. So it's like amazing that there's these different tools. And I think there's the kind of this myth. And uh, I was kind of guilty of that too. Like, oh, that's, you know, let's be careful, blah, blah, blah. But I'm starting to see that how they can be used to actually facilitate human relationships because they're saving us so much time. Does that yes, make sense? Yes, it does make sense. Absolutely. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I, th- I think many North Americans look at, because right now, everywhere you look, there's AI here, AI there, AI everywhere, right? Right. And right now, it's, a lot of it is is content creation with AI. And, and, yeah. and then people are like, well, if all we're going to do is make content to make disinformation and make content to hurt the world, then why are we developing all this these tools, right? Mm-hmm. But then you hear stories like you just brought up where it's impacting healthcare. I've heard the same thing where doctors are, 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 are great benefits from using the technology, right? And it's only going to get better mm-hmm. and smarter. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And there's going to be, I think this is just kind of the first step for a lot of these different kind of tools, you know, of doing the transcription, but in a more, not just like exactly word for word, it's able to, you know, obviously intuitively tell what they're trying to say and summarize it. I think that's just the first step. There's a lot of other things that could be taken care of. And I didn't realize how severe physician burnout was. Like it's a very big problem. And so this different tools like this are able to alleviate. That's amazing. How would you feel if your doctor created a clone of themselves, of their knowledge and when your doctor wasn't available, you were able to talk to their their, their AI version of themselves. Is that something you would yeah. be comfortable with? Or do you think it's something more your children? What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, because I'm thinking of my doctor. He's amazing. I, I mean, yeah, I don't know how I would feel about that. I have to think about that. Because I, I could see like that working because it would, you know, be essentially, but then it's not. So I'm not sure how I feel about that. Yeah. <laughs> you, how would you feel? So I think it's pretty cool. I'm going to share something with you. Yeah. So there's a fellow that I follow on. I don't know if you know who Robert Scoble is. He's a tech entrepreneur, uh, blogger, fellow journalist on, on X, on the social platforms. I've followed Robert for a number of years, and I was I saw one of his posts last night. He uploaded 18 gigs of his own content to an AI to make an AI version of himself. Interesting. That's what I said, too. I'm like, that's pretty cool. So 18 yeah. gigs, Nicole, like that. We're not talking like just a few documents. It's eight, yeah, it's, apparently it's, that's his entire Twitter slash X database of content. So all the content that he's created on Twitter since probably a couple of days ago, downloaded it all, sent it off to the AI company, and they're going to build him an AI based on his on all that content. Now, I, I've built an AI myself, not on 18 gigs of content, mm-hmm. and it's pretty fascinating when you can have a conversation with yourself with your own knowledge. Have you done that before? No, I, I don't even know, like, how to make an AI of myself. Like, where I don't even know where to go on the internet to do that. Oh, so I can, I can verbally help you with that. So what we would do is we would take emails you've written, articles you've written, any content that you've created, the podcasts we're on right now, previous podcasts that you've done. We take any content that Nicole's created and we'd uh, feed it into uh, the AI and I can help you that. Actually do it for you relatively easily. Build that for you. 
and you would have your own uh, GPT. And so now the benefit for that for you is when you, want, yeah. Yeah, when you want to write content, you can just go ask yourself to write it and it's writing your tone of voice and writing your style. You follow me? Yeah. So does it, and does it pull only like the content that we have fed to it or yes. does it kind of just use that as my voice and then it also pulls in wherever else chat GPT pulls in all their magic stuff from? Great question. No. So we would create a safe box of Nicole Bernard so that it would not hallucinate or make stuff up and, and it would then know that, okay, Nicole is a business marketing human being, a fitness advocate, uh, mother, married mother of children. So whatever you'd want to feed it. And then as you, so you'd say, Hey, help me write an article about my race up the mountain, the vertical and, the, and the, you know, give it some details. And it would write the article based on what it knows about you and in your tone of voice. Yes. That's so interesting. Cause yeah, that, Again, that saves so much time. Yes, it does. And these clinicians, you know, it's going to save us a lot of different time to do other things. Yes. But it's so cool. Okay. You, you would have to pause and essentially pause, feed this thing, train it, right? So mm-hmm. you'd say to me, so Keith, how, do, how would I build this? I'd say, well, send me as much content as you want. The more, obviously the more content. So for example, in Robert's case, an 18 gig database of content compared to my 500 megs or my one gig of content is probably not going to be as, it's going to lack the depth, right? That, that, yeah. but it's certainly, it's not that difficult to actually either. Yeah. And so where do, where does me 2.0 live? Like in my computer or? It would live in the cloud. So you get a, okay. you get a URL, me 2.0. Uh, hey daughters, uh, hey children, here's, you, you know, if you want to ask mom something, you can just go to my bot. Mom, can I have an iPhone? No. Yes. And she will still say no to that. Yeah. yeah. So there's a lot of parents that maybe in the same situation you have been in or I have been in and, and or maybe sitting back right now going, maybe I don't want to have my children having an, an iPhone or iPad. Why did you and your husband make that decision to limit their use or not introduce that to them? Yeah, I mean, just because, I mean, we're, again, we both come from that analog slash kind of getting yes. into digital and we just, yeah, appreciate how life was when we were growing up a little yes. bit more simple, not have to worry about that, you know, and again, I work in, Social media, not that's a great thing, but I've also seen negative sides of it. So not really wanting to expose them to, to that. You know, they can do that when they get older. There's enough time for all of that. So yeah, just kind of trying to, you know, and then I've also seen kids that are just constantly like this, you know, and I'm like that too, sadly. Like I, I know how addicting it can be. So we just kind of wanted, you know, them to be able to just grow up and live simply. They have like little, they're not Apple watches, but they're, yeah. Like the ones that they can call and text their friends. Yes. So they do have that. So we're just trying to like ease them in and have some balance. So yeah, that's kind of our thought behind it. I have nothing but respect for that and no judgment. I, you know, if I, re- if I was to reflect upon my kids and my experiences, I perhaps would have done things differently, maybe closer to maybe your approach or even my, my, my new partner, my new wife's approach with, with her daughter. Cause to your mm-hmm. point, it's, it's inevitably coming for the rest of their life anyways. So the more that we can teach them, the remaining days of analog life, maybe there's value in that, right? Uh, so mm-hmm. I can certainly appreciate yep. that. A decision that I consciously made though, that it's funny because now that I come back into the world and come back into social, people are like, yeah, well, who are you? You got no followers, you have nothing. Like, who are you? I'm like, well, actually I left social media seven years ago at, because of my kids. Mm-hmm. I didn't like who I was becoming in front of the camera as I built a social media company back in the early days. I built it on the backs of my, my own kind of my name and brand and then you kind of keep going and going and then I was watching my seven-year-old son watch his dad's behavior mm-hmm. and I was like no I don't think I don't, that's I don't really like that and I was watching how he was starting to emulate some of that behavior as he was making content on his phones and I just didn't like that either and 
the dialogue around likes and followers and comments on the dopamine hits. I didn't like that even more. And I left Instagram. And then as just as going through my divorce too, so I left Instagram, I left Facebook, I left all the platforms behind. And Mm -hmm. not only did it do magic for me, did magic for my children to this day. And I'm proud of that decision because I was, you know, yeah, it just was one of those decisions that I saw it happening. And, and again, no judgment to anybody else. That's not what I'm trying to say here at all. For me at that time, I was like, that's not good. That's not going to turn out good. I don't, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's a slippery slope, you know, and it's hard to see when it starts to just like slide. Well, and I'm the last to want to be a hypocrite. So if I'm going to live my face with my head buried down on my phone, how can I tell my children not to? So, so the mindset was with their phones was, you know, it's not just a consumption device. I say this to my wife all mm-hmm. the time. It does not have to be used just to consume YouTube. So you know what's happened in the last few weeks? My stepdaughter is creating content. So because, cool. because let's spin it on its head, right? We can make math fun. There's tools you can do in here. We can make art fun. We can make, so, mm-hmm. so I really encourage my kids to create instead of just consume because then I would get off their back. That's kind of, that was my own balance on balancing the introduction of technology right. saying, here you go, use yeah. the iPad, use the iPhone, but you can't just sit there and be passive on it all time. You're right. Yeah. So if you can, if you, if you point that out to them, if yeah. you can show me that you can create with it, then I'm help become an expert. Use it 10 hours a day. I'm being exaggerated point, but become an expert, right? Like my little stepdaughter, Mm -hmm. I said to my wife, I said, you know, we've been kind of having some struggles, not us struggles. She's just trying to find her space, whether it's dance, whether it's gymnastics, whether it's what's her activity, right? Mm -hmm. She loves to create. She loves to create. She's like an artist and she likes to make digital Mm -hmm. stuff. And, but yet there's kind of still the stigma of why would you enable your seven-year-old to be a YouTuber? And I said to Lauren, I'm like, well, it's not really about enabling to be a YouTuber. Let's let's enable her to be a creator. Creators of tomorrow is the world of tomorrow. So why would we not just set her up for success and give her the tools and let her create? And then we'll get off her back about just sitting back being the watcher of YouTube. She can be the creator of YouTube. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. Oh, I love that. Different perspective. Yeah, and the skills that they're creating now, like again, yeah, like you said, I mean, that's just gonna be nothing but helpful as, you know, our world continues to go in the way that it is, you know. What do you think of the what's your perspective on the creator economy, the creator world that we're in, and just this this term of creator? What what does that mean to you? Yeah, um, I I love it. I, I love seeing how amazing people are and how creative we actually are. And I think we have more access to see it now. Not that humans weren't always this creative, but yeah, I mean, I think a creator is, you know, for like simple terms, somebody that is creating content, whether like in whatever industry they're in. Um, I mean, because you can see all like, so you can look up anything on YouTube, like anything even so off the wall and like, oh, someone has a channel about that. You know, like I think it's cool now that we have access to these pe- different people putting their spin on things, their knowledge, their expertise, and we can just learn. I feel like we learn so much now. Like when I was a kid, you know, we'd have to like yes. look it up in the encyclopedia or things like that. And we, there were still opportunities to learn, but there wasn't as vast of a, an easy way to learn like, like we are now. How do you explain to your clients when they say, hey, Nicole, what does it mean when we're shifting from the influencer world to the creator world? What's the difference between an influencer and a creator? How would you explain that to a customer of yours? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think they can be pretty intertwined, right? Because you know, usually the creators that have a lot of content that they're putting out become influential with their audience because they're putting out awesome content, whether it's podcasts or blogs or video or however which way they do it so yeah to me they're they're not 
100% intertwined, but they're very closely tied to each other. I would offer a, a different point of view, perhaps, where yeah. I, I think that I, I see the influencer economy driven by advertisers, driven yeah. by engagement in advertisers. So what, how many people are you engaged with so that I can give you money to advertise my product? Where mm-hmm. I see the creator economy, which is I'm going to build community around my content and then I'm going to monetize my content within my community and, you know, to hell with the advertisers. And I don't, it, that, that's another stream of revenue, but it's not my prime stream mm-hmm. of revenue. So I, yeah. I, I think that, and I'll be honest with you, as I've come back into the world, it's something that I've struggled with a little bit. You get out into the socials and you see, okay, what everybody's doing and you're asking yourself, okay, so how do I get into that? Do mm-hmm. I got, you know, what, what's the best way to, to portray myself and add value to the business world again? When you're building a business in 23, you're building a media company. You really are. You, mm-hmm. if you can't wrap your head around that, then you might as well not try to build a business because you're actually building, mm-hmm. you're building a content creation company and you got it in, with distribution, right? I, I like the direction that the content creator economy is moving. It's, mm-hmm. it's been fun getting back and doing it and it's, and it's fun being creative with it, isn't it? For sure. Yeah, totally. Yeah. How's your podcast going since the last time we talked? It's good. You should plug I, it. I kind of took the summer off. Yes. Yeah. I don't know if I mentioned that. Yeah. Uh, we're back to recording. Yeah. It's always fun to drink champagne in my closet and talk to people. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. We're coming up on the top of the hour. Any final words before we wrap it up here? Thanks for jumping in. Just having a fireside chat with me today. Anything you want to close up with? Well, thanks for having me. This was a blast as always. And yeah. So anytime y'all need anybody to fill in, it's always fun talking to you. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> Saying goodbye here on a Thursday. Saying goodbye to Nicole Bernard and myself, Keith Billis, live in the lab, live in the Business Athlete Performance Lab. Tomorrow, we're going to come in with Jonathan Pritchard, live here again in the lab. And if you caught any of our discussion around the transformation experience, I really think you need to uh, hit me up. 10 people, build a community, network yourself. If you're a content creator, you are going to create content unlike any content you are seeing in your stream. That in itself is a reason to invest in this. You're going to be a better human. You're going to create incredible content. You could build a business on the content you're going to create, frankly. So, and why me? I've done it before. I keep paying attention to the Business Athlete Performance Lab. Keep paying attention to myself. And as I said yesterday on the show, and I said to Nicole here at the beginning of the show, my goal right now is to build trust with you and me and just keep getting out there and letting you know that I want to help. And I need you to help me get out of the peanut butter jar. I'm Keith Billis. I'm live in the lab. I'm live in the Business Athlete Performance Lab.